You're listening to the VoiceOver Hour podcast, brought to you by the VoiceOver Network, with special sponsors, Rode Microphones, Source Elements, Studio Bricks, and Focusrite. My name's Rachel Naylor, and I'm your host. The VoiceOver Hour podcast takes you behind the scenes in the voiceover industry, sharing stories, insights, and so much more. The VoiceOver Hour podcast will be dropping every Tuesday. It'll be up to an hour long, some interviews more, some less, and I'm going to be talking to wonderful experts in the voiceover industry who are going to share their stories as well as share information and advice for you. I started the VoiceOver Network five and a half years ago because I wanted to create a safe place for voiceover professionals to come together to help and support each other, to get the right information, and to strengthen this amazing industry we work in. The VoiceOver Network is a global community of voiceover professionals, and I'm so proud of what we've created. I want to empower you on your journey. This episode was recorded on the Roadcaster Pro Podcast Production Studio, the amazing all-in-one podcasting console from Rode Microphones. So, on today's The VoiceOver Hour podcast, I am being joined by a voice acting legend uh, and also a very good friend of mine, somebody who has inspired thousands of people around the world to follow their dreams and, and to get into to voice acting and video games, uh, the amazing Dave Fennoy. So welcome, Dave. Oh, thank you, Rachel. I'm good to see you. Yeah, yeah. great to see you. Um, and Dave, you, you've been involved in lots of stuff that we've done at the VoiceOver Network and you've been on the VoiceOver Hour webinars before. Yeah. Um, but it's wonderful. You're actually... Yeah, you're, you're one of the first people we are having on the VoiceOver Hour podcast, which ah, is really exciting. Well, wow, I'm honoured. Yeah, I'm honored. well, yeah. thank you so much for joining us. Um, so your career has been, I mean, you, you've you been in over 400 video games. Uh, you've done lots and lots of promos. Uh, yeah, tell us a bit about your career. Um, well, you know, I, I think a lot of things in life led to this that yes. I didn't know we're leading to that. Yes. Like a lot of people who end up in voiceover aren't doing cartoons and or video games. Um, when I was watching cartoons as a kid, I, uh, you know, did the same voices, you know, hey, Yogi Bear, you know, I did, did the voices that I heard. Um, and uh, I took music and that kind of gave me a sense of rhythm and my parents got me into theater. Yeah. And uh, so you kind of learned how to act and memorize scripts and bring take the words off the page. Um, I, for a while, I was a professional musician. Um, got married, had a kid, and realized I wasn't going to grow up to be a rock and roll star after all. And I went into radio. Okay. And um, once again, I didn't realize that I was performing. I just thought, oh, this will keep me close to music. But I became the morning jock on yeah. a couple stations in the San Francisco area. And I got to play characters. Um, I was working under the name Billy David Ocean. I don't know why Dave Fennoy wasn't good enough, but Billy David Ocean on uh, KDIA and KSOL, which was the number one station in town, uh, doing mornings. And uh, 
I had uh, several characters. There was Harry O'Banion, <laughs> Private Dick. And uh, we did little adventures of Harry O'Banion. Um, there was um, uh, uh, Len Swisher, who was my entertainment reporter. Oh, Billy, you won't believe what's happening with uh, Michael Jackson now. Um, and so, uh, you know, we had these little eight tracks and you could record. You know, hit record and it would record till you hit stop. Mm-hmm. And then you would hit record again and it would record till you hit stop. And then you get it back to the first thing you recorded. Mm-hmm. And you could, uh, you know, I could say, hey, Lance, how you doing? I pushed the button. And go, oh, hello, Billy. How are you? So good to see you. And um, and it would stop. And I'd say, oh, what's going on? And he pushed the button. And go, well, you won't believe what da 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 da. And so, it's, uh, so I had these conversations Amazing. with myself and the characters that I was playing. And somewhere along the line, uh, I discovered voiceover. Um, actually, very early in my career, I wasn't on the air yet. I was writing commercials. And uh, the morning jock. You were writing commercials. Yeah. Oh yeah, wow! So yeah. another, another, another amazing. Yeah, thing I, but I, yeah. I never thought of, it, it's. It's funny because uh, this was my second job in radio. Um, I had been a continuity director, yeah. which is a person to make sure all the right commercials play at all the right times. Because yeah. if you play the store's commercial. Uh, about the sale they're having that ended yesterday. Yeah, not so good. That's a big problem. <laughs> uh, so I did that for a while at a station. And I kept telling, I want to be on the air. I want to be on the air. And they finally, uh, you know what? You want to be on the air? Go someplace else. Uh, so I, I got a job um, at a different station as continuity director. Mm-hmm. And they asked me, can you write commercials? And having never written one, I went, yes, of course yeah. I can. <laughs> and uh, and that became one of the things that I did. And sometimes uh, I would be a little creative. So um, the jocks at the station really didn't quite know what to do. Mm-hmm. With, so I would voice them myself. Uh, and that kind of got me into voiceover. Yeah. And one day as the, uh, the morning guy there was leaving, uh, hey, man, where are you going? He goes, well, I'm going over to the city. We were in Berkeley. Yeah. I'm going over to the city, San Francisco, to do some voiceover work. I make more money at that than I do on the radio. And a little bell went off. Wow, yeah. Um, and it was like, wow, that sounds perfect. <laughs> and yeah, I said, so exactly yeah. what is this voiceover thing you're talking about? He goes, oh, you know, commercials and TV promos, cartoons, that kind of stuff. And I'm like, wow, that sounds perfect. I didn't do anything about it for about two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but after that, I started uh, doing a little training. And at one point, I, and this is years later, I'm the morning guy at uh, KSOL. And I took a course with a, an agent from Los Angeles. And at the end of it, she said, you know, you're pretty talented. If you ever decide to come out to L.A., we'd love to represent you. So uh, I was morning jock at the number one station in town at the time. So, yes, of course, I'll do that one day. Uh, Because I I made up in my mind that as soon as I'm making as much money in voiceover as I am on the radio, I'm going to give up the radio. um, But uh, as things are likely to happen, uh, the radio station fired all the jocks one day. Uh, They had hired a new uh, consultant and he wanted to bring in his own people. So... Uh, I think it was February 9th, 1990. Mm. Uh, I got my walk-in papers from KSOL, which gave me my walk-in papers right into the door of voiceover. 
So I, I went home and I said, I gotta find that lady's card. Something is amazing. <laughs> this is a prime example of something amazing coming from a from a, a oh, difficult yeah. time. There's there's so many, you know, uh, one door closes, yeah. uh, another door opens. Yeah. Uh, or you jump out the window, yeah. or you <laughs> dig your way and out you something. To, and it has to—you have to make room for for new things in your life. And and so yeah, so that's, that's yeah. You, you know, and I heard someone speaking about this not too long ago. Um, you got to have a plan A. Mm. Uh, you know, people that have a plan A, but then they're spending a lot of time on their plan B, uh, may not get the A or the B. Yeah. Have a plan A. Put 100% into your plan A. If that doesn't work, because I think we all have a, a certain uh, clock in our head. Yeah. Uh, we, we have given ourselves a certain amount of time, weeks, months, years uh, to get such and such done. We may not know what it is, but mm -hmm. at some point you realize, oh, I guess my time on this has run out. I had been a musician before. Uh, after I'd gotten married, had a kid at some point. The time ran out for me mm. uh, to continue to pursue uh, music as a career because uh, I wasn't making the money I, I wanted to make. I was hitting an age where, you know, at some point you kind of age out of uh, being that hot new young star. And uh, and I had a kid. Yeah. And that's why I went into radio and I, and I made a success of it. And. Were it not for having taken that course, were it not for my friend having mentioned a voiceover career, I, I don't know that I'd be doing this. Mm. But uh, once the radio, once that radio job was gone, I had already been working on learning voiceover. I had been taking some classes and courses and and private lessons, uh, and I looked actually at the being fired as an opportunity. Oh, now I can go to LA and do this thing. So uh, I found uh, Lee Gilbert was her name, is her name. She's still with us. Uh, and I uh, called her, were you serious? She said, yeah, put together a new demo and come on down. Well, that was the week of uh, February 9th. I don't know, it was a day or so before I found the card. And by May, mm -hmm. I was had done the demo and I was ready to, to, to come down. Well, had a house in Berkeley, family there. So first thing I did is I called a buddy of mine who had gone to high school with, who was living down there. And uh, uh, actually two buddies of mine, they were twin brothers. Ah. One of them was the uh, uh, cartoon director for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh. Now, when I say cartoon director, I mean the drawings. He's directing the drawings, wow. not the voices. Uh, and he said, well, put a demo together and I'll play it for some people and maybe you'll get something. Well, I had been in touch with him before I got fired. I had made the demo before I got fired in, in the studio there. I was very lucky because I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Mm. Uh, so I created this uh, little demo. I played all the characters, uh, Zoltan the warrior and Zoltan had a sidekick and I played the the uh, the the bad guy, the mm. wizard or whatever he was, and and the wizard's heavy wow. and all the little characters. And I had a little battle and whatnot. It all happened in about 90 seconds. Mm. Um, and I sent it to him and uh, he got back to me and he said, well, you know what? I'm, I'm glad this was good. Yeah. Because if, if it wasn't, I wasn't going to be able to help you. And the only reason I said I would try is because we go way back. And he got me three auditions. And once again, this was... 
before I uh, really started going down there and had representation. Uh, three auditions, uh, but I had to be in LA. It was, mm-hmm. wasn't like it is now. Yeah. Uh, we didn't have the internet. Yeah. Then. Yeah. So I would drive uh, the 350 miles. I don't know what that is in kilometers. Wow. More. Um, But I would drive, you know, about a five and a half, six hour drive. Mm. Okay, you've got an audition at one o'clock in Los Angeles. I'd get in my car in time enough to get there with about a half hour to spare so I could look at the copy. Because once again, didn't have the internet. You had to actually get there to see the copy. Uh, I'd study my copy, go in, put in my five minute audition, and then hit the road back, Uh uh, you know. Right back home. I did that three times. You know how many of those I booked? How many? None. Oh. <laughs> Not one. But I was in the game. Yeah. And one of the lessons there is, you know, you you have to be where you are auditioning to book an audition. Mm. So uh, my next step, uh, I had my new demo and I went down to the office. It was a Monday morning. And... Uh, they said, oh, yeah, yeah, come back on Thursday. We'll sign. I was upset. I was like, look, I'm here now. Mm. Uh, but I, I got to see, uh, they had a, a number of celebrity voices there. So I, I got to see some celebrities walking through. And a guy that I had grown up with as a kid listening to, Ernie Anderson, who was the voice of ABC at the time. Mm. And uh, he was a guy. Now, if you're listening outside the United States, and you're under a certain age, you have no idea who I'm talking about. But he was the first real voiceover star. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the voice of ABC, the love boat. He had that <laughs> deep, rich voice. And uh, as a kid, he'd been the voice of Channel 5 in Cleveland, Ohio, where I grew up. And on Friday nights, uh, he played uh, B, C, and D horror movies. Uh, and he created this, this host uh, beatnik ghoul called Gulardi, turned blue, purple knife, and he would talk like this the whole time. It was a wonderful thing. And uh, so my first day in the office of my new agent, there he was. Wow. And it's like, wow, Mr. Anderson, how are you? I grew up in Cleveland. I grew up listening to you. And he, yeah, nice, nice to see you, kid. And uh, <laughs> went on about his business. And if you look him up, Ernie Anderson, uh, and find demos, he seems like he was a really horrible person. Oh, he was no. famous for cussing out uh, oh, producers no. uh, at, at ABC who didn't like the copy he wrote or whatnot, or that oh, they had written. Uh, but uh, actually, as soon as he said, look, Ernie, come on, cut the stuff and let's get to work. And, and he was just, he was marvelous at what he did. Yeah. But anyway, so for the first eight months uh, that I was in L.A., I uh, would stay. Uh, I stayed on the, the couch of a buddy of mine. As a matter of fact, the other Kafka brother. Oh uh, wow! Uh, you know, John is the one who had been the director, cartoon director, and and Tom had a job at NBC uh, as doing sound effects. Mm. And I stayed on Tom's couch for a month, uh, and then I stayed on an uncle's of mine's couch for a month uh, before I got a little cheap apartment on Laurel Canyon. Boulevard with another guy that was trying to do the same thing, come mm-hmm. down here. And, uh, but I would drive down to LA from Berkeley on uh, Sunday nights or Monday mornings. Mm-hmm. And I would drive back on Friday nights or Saturday morning. 
dogs. Wow. I did this for eight months. Wow. 350 miles. Um, That's dedication. And and the reason I continue to tell that story is because people need to know if you want something, Mm. you're going to have to step out of your comfort zone. Yeah. You're going to have to do something that somebody else might tell you you're crazy to do. Yes. Um, There are people who care about you, who love you, who want the best for you, and yet will steal your dreams out of that concern. They might think you're crazy, but you're going to have to be a little bit crazy uh, to to do what it is you're going to do. And that that person could be your wife, could be your husband, your mom, your dad, your best friend, um, somebody who doesn't want you to leave somebody who who they're comfortable keeping you in the spot you're in yeah uh but you don't want to stay in that comfort spot because sooner or later if you if you don't do it um you're gonna have some issues perhaps with them and with yourself yeah so um started getting to la i started working fairly quickly i did my first video game um in this case, um, it was a video game. I was a voice of RoboCop oh. in the RoboCop telephonic game. Oh, wow. And it paid me $2,500, and I was, like, so happy to have it. Um, I had some of my best and worst or learning experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, I told some people the other day about uh, I, I booked the Big Red Boat, which was Disney's cruise ship. And, oh, we love his voice. And I went into a great studio in Los Angeles. And, you know, I'm behind the glass with the microphone. And uh, they're directing. And they're just, oh, we love it. Love your voice. We love you. Read. We love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. And when's it going to air? Oh, it'll be airing on Sunday, such and such a day and such and such a show. And, you know, I called mom and dad and all my friends. And, yeah, big red bow. And the commercial comes on. It's me. Yeah. And the commercial came on and it wasn't me. <gasps> I've had exactly the same thing happen to me. Oh my gosh. Everybody will. Oh, it's so painful. Yeah. I remember um, being sent it and going, this doesn't sound like you. And I was like, mm, it's not me. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and it's, it's it's not because you weren't good. It's yeah. somebody decided they wanted to go in a different direction. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I... I use that as a story to tell people, look, every job you get, somebody else had before you Mm. and somebody will have after you. Yeah. Uh, Don't don't think of it as yours. You are Mm. occupying that space for a little while. Mm. But uh, I got uh, one of my first cartoons. I was uh, uh, and this was because somebody who they had cast already couldn't do the job because they'd gotten a TV show. Uh, So somebody else's opportunity became my opportunity. Mm. Uh, so I was playing Dick Scott, manager of New Kids on the Block, on the New Kids on the Block cartoon. Wow. Uh, and then I got another job. Uh, I was playing uh, Bo, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, oh, what's his name? Bo knows. Um, oh, can't remember his name right now. But <sighs> it's called Pro Stars. And um, it was Michael Jordan, uh, uh Wayne Gretzky and what was I just think of Bo Derek now and it's because yeah. she's gorgeous I don't know uh, uh, 
oh man, but uh, he was a great athlete. He played football and baseball. And the saying was, Bo knows this, Bo knows that. So I mm. got to say Bo knows stuff all the time. Uh, I got that and I started doing, uh, became a, a voice for the Disney Channel. Um, where I was a narrator and promo mm. voice, and I would started doing promos for CBS and ABC, um, and eventually the WB. I became uh, one of their promo voices, uh, being under contract. It's great duty, great duty. Yeah. Uh, and somewhere along the line, the first video games mm. came along. Uh, I was doing a number of games for uh, Lucas Films. Uh, their game division. I got to play Lando Calrissian. I got to be in a a, um, a pod racer game mm. where I played three pod racers uh, mm. and the whole job was in Huttese. Ah. The language of Jabba the Hutt. <laughs> and you think you know what a geek is? The director spoke Huttese. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That was like, oh, you learned the language that doesn't really exist except in the Star Wars world. That's, okay. That's something. Uh, that's so, dedication. That's dedication. <laughs> and the whole thing was shouted because you're in the middle okay. of this race. Yeah. And we did one pass just in Hatties, another pass with a Jamaican accent and another mm-hmm. pass with a homeboy accent. And uh, at the end of the gig, uh, my voice was shot mm-hmm. from screaming. It was a five-hour session. And the next day, I couldn't talk. And later that week, I was supposed to be the booth announcer on uh, an ESPN sports show. I had to cancel with a couple days notice, which, of course, threw them into a tizzy Mm. to to find somebody else. And that producer has never hired me again. Yeah. Stuff happens. Yeah. Stuff happens. Um, But I... I've done a lot of uh, in-show announce. I've been an in-show mm. announcer for the Billboard Music Awards, Teen Choice Awards, the American Music Awards, and 15 years uh, as a booth announcer for the NAACP Image Awards, oh, which right. is uh, one of the gigs that I'm most proud of. Mm. Along the way, I've had a lot of uh, work that was steady. I uh, was the voice of Showtime at the Apollo for years, mm. um, uh, time, life, music, all the R and B and gospel, mm. uh, and they still come back. I still do uh, some time, life work. Um, somewhere in the middle of that, uh, Showtime at the Apollo went away, and Time Life went bankrupt. But they've since come back. Mm. Uh, time Life, and I continue to do video games. Yeah, and at the time, I only thought of video games as. Uh, another form of animation Mm. and somewhere along the way, I mean, years had gone by and I'm not actually a gamer. Yeah. So I wasn't keeping track of who I was doing these games for and how big they were, not big or whatever. Mm. And somewhere along the way, uh, in about 2010 or 11, um, somebody sent me a demo that they had put together of games that I had been in, mm. and it was a video demo, so I could see these wow. characters I had played, and uh, it really, you know, let me know that you know what, I'm a game voice, and this person gave me an education on uh, the video game industry that I didn't have at the time, mm. and I, I wasn't paying attention to it 
I knew I'd been in some games, but eh. Um, but I found out I was in some of the biggest games in the world. Mm. And it made me uh, kind of view that a little different. Got that to my agents um, and uh, started doing some some investigation mm. of the video game industry. And to my surprise, wow, this is one of the biggest and fastest growing industries in the world. Yeah. Uh, and a couple of years after that, or a year or so after that, uh, the Walking Dead game came along. Oh. I had already been in 70 or 80 games, but the Walking Dead game won 100 Game of the Year awards. Mm. Um, I was nominated as best performer in a video game a number of times. And you're Lee Everett, just so. Lee Everett Everett in the Walking Dead game. And uh, got to go to London uh, for the BAFTAs. I was nominated for a BAFTA. Yes. One of the things I love about uh, you English. Yes. (laughs) uh, You take it all seriously. You you don't separate everything out Mm. in terms of uh, when you're going to the BAFTAs, uh, it's for television, it's for movies, it's for video games. Yeah. As opposed to, we have separate video game awards mm. and separate television awards and, and mm. the Golden Globes, but that's that's the foreign press. Mm. Um, so that was interesting because it, 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 it shines a light on the industry. Now, I didn't win. No. <laughs> uh, but as uh, the actors say when they are nominated for an Oscar, it is an honor. Yeah. Just to be nominated. Yeah. Um, so I've been rambling on here. No, no, this is great. Oh, yeah, not rambling at all. This is amazing. This podcast is sponsored by Focusrite. Focusrite's range of Scarlet Audio interfaces has already helped make more recordings than any other interface in history. And with the third generation, you'll sound better than ever. The Scarlet is enabling millions of voiceover artists, musicians, podcasters, and content producers to record, mix, and playback audio in studio quality everywhere, all the time. Find out more at focusrite.com. Somewhere along in there, to about 2008, uh, one of the jobs I'm most known for is Voice of Hulu. Mm, yes. And uh, the story behind how I got that job, because I, I have agents. I have agents in Los Angeles and New York and San Francisco. Yeah. Uh, we've been working on getting an agent in London. Yes. Yeah. To, yeah. An agent in um, London. But Hulu is one of the uh, best and most lucrative jobs I've had. And it came from going to a party. Wow. I'm sitting at a party. Uh, I was with my girlfriend, then now wife. And uh, she had a girlfriend that lived down the street from her mom. So we go to this party and uh, kind of cute girl. And uh, she wasn't married or she'd been divorced about a year or so before. And there was a fella in there that really liked her that she didn't care about at all. So (laughs) I'm sitting on the couch and he plops himself down right next to me and you know, kind of, oh, man, this isn't going to work. But he decides to, you know, so, uh, hey, who are you? Well, Dave Fennoy, how you doing? What's your name? Oh, okay, nice to meet you, man. And he goes, so what do you do? I said, well, I'm a voiceover actor. And then he perked up a little bit. And he goes, mm-hmm. oh, you know, there's this new thing coming, uh, Hulu. And they're looking for a voice. Uh, give me your email address. I'll send you an audition. Wow. And uh, the next day, uh, he sent me uh, the, the email. I... Did some takes, send it back, and the next week I was the voice of Hulu. Amazing. Now, Hulu was just going on the air. 
And uh, I was paid by the piece, by, you know, each advertiser that I announced. Yeah. I got paid for. Well, in the beginning, it was, you know, three, four hundred dollars a month. It wasn't a big deal. Um, but I had the job for eight years. Wow. And within two years of that job, it's it would vary, but it would be between ten and fourteen thousand dollars a month. Wow. And it was like, wow, this nice. is great. Nice. Um and uh then after eight years it went away. They got new management. Okay. And once again, mm. whatever job you had, somebody will have after you. Yeah. Now I the only reason I happened to be the first guy is because it was just starting. Mm. Uh, but, you you know, you hate to see those jobs go, but you have to know if you were good enough for somebody to hire, yeah. somebody else will hire you. Yeah. Uh, and I have had the fortune of being a voice for Disney, voice for CBS, uh, voice for ABC, voice for the WB, voice for CNN, mm. uh, voice uh, for SoapNet. Uh, voice of a lot of different uh, uh, award shows, mm. uh, narrator for Discovery Channel, uh, yeah. uh, uh, and and a number of other uh, National Geographic and another a number of other channels like that. Mm. Lots and lots of commercials. I've been a Lexus voice, uh, an ethnic Lexus voice for 15, 20 years. Mm. Um, wow. Repeat business is yeah. where it's at. Yeah. Um, and although I don't think it is where most of the money I make is made, what people mostly know me for yes. are video games. Yeah, yeah. And that has been uh, one because I'm, I'm good at it, uh, but I take it seriously. Mm. I take it all seriously. And fortunately, as a kid, I had an acting background because it's not just about creating a voice. Yeah, it's about letting a character speak through you mm. so wonderful yes so then 400 video games later here you are here we are here we are <laughs> and the, i mean there's an interesting side to video games i mean video games is, is a fantastic and very exciting industry but um but there's another side that that you you're involved in it which is the the comic cons oh yeah so well you know yeah. um if you are a popular character on a game or number mm. of games, uh, suddenly you start getting calls or emails. Hey, would you like to come to Comic-Con or Dragon Con yeah. or SAC Anime or lots of different uh, pop culture conventions around the country? Uh, and the people who play the games that you're in or watch the cartoons that you're in want to meet you. Yeah. And to meet you, they're willing to pay, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 bucks yeah. uh, for a, a selfie with you, a picture with you, uh, for you to uh, say some of the things in the voice of the character, yeah. uh, for them to play for their friends or yeah. their, their phone answering machines or whatever. Yeah. Um, and you also begin to realize that you thought you were just doing this job that you enjoyed doing mm. and moving on with your life, but you've touched somebody's life yeah. in a way that uh, you had no idea you would touch them. I have mm. a sister who's a doctor. I used to tease her. Well, actually, it's more of a being self-deprecating. Ah, you're doing the real work. I'm just having fun. Yeah. But once I started going to conventions, I realized that um, there's a certain responsibility mm. maybe that you have or yeah. that you should take on 
um, that you have touched people's lives. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't tell you how many people have told me that playing the Walking Dead game, uh, they develop a relationship with Lee Everett mm-hmm. as a father figure because their father wasn't around. Wow. Or they learned to be a father mm-hmm. by uh, playing that game and, wow. and seeing the interaction of Lee Everett and Clementine. Uh, and I remember the, one of the first ones, I, I think, uh, Melissa and I, Melissa Hutchison, who plays Clementine, yeah. we were at a convention. They had us together. I think it was SAC Anime. And a young, cute young girl, 18, 19, came along. She wanted to take a picture with us. And her mom was there. She was going to, so we came behind the table and I got on one side. She got on the other side and we put our arms around her. <laughs> And she was shivering. She was just shaking with nervousness. And, you know, I'm thinking, come on, kid. I'm I'm just a voice actor. Just just Dave Fennoy here. It's not a big deal. Um, But it was a big deal to her. Mm. And uh, that was my first real inkling of how you affect the people who play the games that Mm. you're in. They're, they're looking at you in a way you don't look at yourself. Yeah. Now, you don't want to let it go to your head, but you yeah. want to honor that. Yeah. Also, there, there are a lot of uh, people who uh, Asperger's and autism yeah. who uh, play video games, and, and it really works for them for mm-hmm. some reason. Mm-hmm. I, and they find your characters are important to them, mm-hmm. and they want to they wanna meet you, and they want to tell you, how much they enjoy the work and uh, what playing that game meant to them. And um, years ago, I'd, I'd been a booth announcer for uh, later with Greg Kinnear when mm-hmm. he had a talk show. And I have always been a fan of a variety of different kinds of music. And one of the groups I liked was Crosby, Stills and Nash. And if you're not my age, you have no idea who they are. But yeah. uh, they were a rock band. Uh, pretty political and right on uh, in the 60s. And uh, my favorite at the time, because I was a musician then, was Stephen Stills. Mm. And they came to be on the show. And Stephen Stills showed up late. And uh, I was kind of, you know, I was always around. And I got to meet the celebrities as they came in. And uh, so he came and I happened to be standing at the door where he was going to come in. Oh, Stephen Stills, how are you, Dave? And I'm the booth now. Listen, let me show you where your dressing room is. You know, I've always loved you guys. And And he treated me so bad. He was so dismissive um, that suddenly my fandom evaporated. Yeah. And I took that as a lesson that you don't have to do much. To mess up a relationship yeah. with with the public. Yeah. Um, and if something I have done is important to people or it's touched them in some way or they want to take their time, energy to mm. say hello. Yeah. They don't have to give me the $20. I mean, I, you, yeah, you, yeah. you're there for the money. But um, I treat this... The people who just come up to say hello, they're, oh, man, I, I don't really, I'm sorry, I don't have any money. I just wanted to, you know, say hello. I'm going to treat them every bit as good as yeah. a person who's paying for things. Yeah. Uh, because you don't know how you touch people's lives yeah. and, and what you mean to them. 
another little life yes, lesson. Nice. Definitely. Absolutely. And it is, you know, it, it, I, I think the big, a big key in life is is just to be kind and to be nice to people. Even, you know, whether it is the waiter or in the restaurant or, you know, somebody who helps you with your bags or, or it is your agent or it's, you know, it's it's so important because nobody knows what's going on in other people's lives as well. Yeah, yeah. And a smile can change somebody's day. And so often if they're not, if they're mean to you, if they're to say something harsh, and it probably isn't you. No, it's nothing to do with you. It's 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 something that's going on in their life, you know. That yeah, I I, I had that lesson when I I uh, play tennis, and uh, Buddy and I were playing on the court. We we played for years every Saturday, mm. and um, we you know we talk a lot of shit to each other mm-hmm. and have a good time. You know, we're joking. Oh, you got it, and. Um, so we're talking back and forth, and there's a guy and a kid playing on the next court. Teenage kid and, you know, 40-ish, 50-ish guy. And this guy starts, can you guys keep it down over there? You know, you know, this is tennis. You're supposed to be quiet. And he's just, you know, we're yeah. of you, buddy. Yeah. We're, <laughs> we play on this court every week. This is us. This is what we do. We, 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 and... Um, Realize after the fact, well, I knew the kid mm-hmm. and I knew the kid's dad and this was the kid's uncle. And uh, after we finished our match and we left, uh, they had finished up just a little bit before. And I guess the uncle had taken off, but the kid's dad was there. And he said, you know, Dave, uh, Mikey, I hope you didn't take offense or man, that's my brother. This is the first time that the kids beat him. Oh, Wow. Wow. They've been playing for years. And the kid finally got to a point he could beat his uncle. Yeah. And his uncle didn't like it. And he was looking for any excuse. To lash out. So he he put it on us. And although, you know, people tell you things like that all the time. Oh, it's not you. This was a real example of it. Mm -hmm. And I, I never forgot it. And so now when I run into people and they... Maybe they're in a bad mood and they say something. It happened the other day. I was pulling in and uh, a guy was standing in the parking spot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like, it's busy. And yeah. I just beep, beep. And, rah, 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 rah. It, you know, he, he didn't continue to cuss, but, he, you know, you could tell he was not happy about mm-hmm. it. And you, you heard him say a few things as, as he wandered off. And I realized, you know, who knows what's going on yeah. with that. I choose not to be affected. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Well, that's life. There you go. Yeah. And if more of us understood that sometimes when somebody says something, does something that seems like uh, an insult or put down or whatever, it has nothing to do with you. No. Yeah. You know, that's their problem. Yeah. Let them go on with their business. We especially do it in our cars. Yeah. Yeah. How dare you cut me off? Yeah. Yeah. But if you can just think, you know, that person may have just, you know, lost a friend or, you know, their wife or husband's left them or, you know, and it's and, and that can happen. And, um, yeah, I know I know a, a classic story similar to yours, uh, which I'm going to share, which is um, of somebody who's it was Nigel Botterill t- has told me this story um, that he heard from somebody. This person was sitting on the train and um, it was a hot day and. A man got on the train with his three children. 
and his kids were wild <laughs> and loud and they were running up and down the carriage and he was just sat there and he didn't do anything. And this, this, this person who was watching started to get more and more irritated by how unruly these children were and the fact that dad wasn't doing anything to, 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 yeah. to calm them down. And he started looking at the other passengers and they were all looking and tutting and, you know, raising their eyebrows and, you know, who's going to control these children? And they were being naughty and loud and, and it was getting, it was getting, this person got wound up, more and more wound up and, and they just had to say something. In the end, they turned to this man and they said, can you, can you do something about your children? And uh, oh, it always gets me this story. The man turned back and he said, I would, but we've just come from the hospital and their mum's just died. Mm. And I mean, that is a hell of a kind of wowzer. And it changes everything. Yeah. Changes absolutely everything. You, you don't know what anybody's dealing with. And those kids, my God, they're allowed to do whatever they like. They've just had, you know, the most horrendous thing in the world happen to them. So it's so it, absolutely on your point of kind of, we just don't know what, what's going on in other people's lives. We are kind of going down a bit of a philosophical sort of way, but, but it's, but it's, yeah, it's uh, that, that, that story for me. I remember when I first heard that, it made me cry. And I was just like, I mean, obviously being a mum as well, you kind of, oh gosh. Well, let, let me bring it back to voiceover. Yes, let's come back to I find that uh, the people we know and work with in voiceover yeah. are some of the nicest people in the world. They're yes. some of the most helpful people in the world. Um, it's, it's a community that's, supports one another yeah uh and that was actually where it's coming from uh with the one be kind to your fans yes uh because without them you yeah. are nothing yeah and uh, and be kind to your co-workers you know mm. we all want to book the job but you're not going to book most of the jobs you audition for. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. If you're booking one in 20, you are killing it. Right. Yeah. Um, but I always feel if I, if I was up for something, didn't get it, but a friend of mine got it. Yeah. I always feel good for my friend. And for some reason, because that person is my friend, mm. I feel closer to the job. I feel closer to, Oh, I'll get the next one. Yeah. I'm, I'm, in the waters I need to be in. I'm, yeah. I'm not off someplace out of the game. I'm in the game because somebody I know mm. is doing this. Yeah. Um, Being able to be happy for other people yeah. is so important. And know your success is coming. Yeah. When uh, when the Hulu thing happened, um, that w it was right about the time the economy had crashed. Wow, well, yeah. And I had lost my two biggest clients. Mm. Um, Showtime at the Apollo as a voice of Showtime at the Apollo for years. Wow. It was a weekly gig. Yeah. Uh, a weekly gig that that one job a week paid like a month. Yeah. Um, and uh, Showtime at the Apollo and, and uh, oh, uh, uh, oh, Time Life. Yeah. Uh, all the time life music collections for R&B and gospel. And once not, again, another gig every month or so, I'm doing another update and nice little chunk of change. Both those companies filed bankruptcy wow. at the same time. And at that point, it was half my income. Mm. And I was in a tizzy. You know, yeah. I, I had 
was in the same boat as a lot of people in America. You know, you you refinanced your house to send your kids to school mm. or, or remodeled or whatever. Uh, and now half your money has disappeared. Yeah. I had to sell my house and move into a condo for a couple of years. Um, and after about six months of this economy, man, Bush, he screwed it up for everybody. Uh, I said, well, you know what? The same things I did to start my career, mm-hmm. I'm going to have to do. Yeah. Well, I hadn't paid any attention to social media at that point. Yeah. So I sat down uh, with a young lady I knew who was very good at it. And mm-hmm. Give me a lesson. What do I need to do with Facebook and Twitter? And yeah. So forth and so forth. I got I to. I learned how to do that and started using social media. Uh, I started getting back in touch with old clients. And some of those old clients, uh, you know, had moved on to other places. Mm. And that started bringing work from other places. About the same time, uh, the Hulu thing had started. And it, it didn't start off um, as anything particularly lucrative, mm. but it grew. And uh, as we got into, you know, 2010, 2011, I had started really paying attention to video game work and pushing Mm. uh, my demo, letting my agents know, hey, look, apparently I'm a video game voice. Let's. uh." Yeah. And within two years, I was in a new house. Yeah. And back where I was. Mm. Uh, so you're going to have ups and downs. Yeah. Things are not always going to go your way. Um, you know, at some point before that, uh, I've been divorced. Uh, you know, things, things yeah. go up and down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Life is a roller coaster. As I it's a roller say. coaster. You can't, you can't let uh, this one particular thing defeat you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You go on, feel bad. Yeah. Uh, have your moment. Have, have your moment. <laughs> But then pick yourself up Pull off the ground up, yeah. and, and move on. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Wow. Right. Well, um, just as a finishing question, which I know is kind of a classic one, but um, what would you say to your youngest? Is there anything that you would say to your younger self? It's going to be okay. Oh, I love that. I love that. That is fantastic. Just keep showing up and doing things that you enjoy. It's going to be okay. Yeah, definitely. Wonderful. Well, thank you so, so much for being an amazing guest on uh, the VoiceOver Hour podcast. Um, yeah, thank you. It's been it's been an honor to have you. The amazing day for I just I hope I didn't put your listeners to sleep. No, my God, everybody. I, I would imagine you are all hanging on every word. It's been uh, jam-packed, lots of lots of interesting takeaways for, for everyone there. So um, the amazing day for night. Thank you so, so much. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for listening to the VoiceOver Hour podcast, brought to you by the VoiceOver Network, with special sponsors, Rode Microphones, Source Elements, Studio Bricks, and Focusrite. The Buzz magazine is actually the only magazine in the world dedicated to the voiceover industry. It's available globally, in print and online, and in English and Spanish. It's a quarterly magazine and it's filled with reviews, interviews, stories, up-to-date information. The Buzz magazine is a wonderful platform that builds bridges for voiceover communities around the world to come together to share relevant information. 
and I'm incredibly proud of it. My name's Rachel Naylor. Thank you so much for joining us. Make sure you check out our next episode where we bring you more behind-the-scenes stories in the voiceover industry. You're listening to a Podcast Company podcast. This was made by Podcast Syndicator, where we help you go from start to grow to making money with your podcast. Let us help you share your message and your voice with the world. Reach out now, Jason at PodcastSyndicator.com or Brett at PodcastSyndicator.com to find out more. Thank you for listening and do come back to hear nothing but the best podcasts.